Hills. And I'm Josh X. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for anyone who listened to our first episode. We know we were just getting the hang of it, but we hope you enjoyed it and we, we really can't thank you enough for listening. So uh, kudos to you for, for getting through it all. And uh, thank you for listening to episode two. Episode two, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. So the structure of this podcast will if you want more information, you can listen to the first episode, but the basic structure is that this is going to be like a dinner and we're going to introduce things in different segments. So the first segment is going to be what we call the pre-dinner shot. Basically, we're going to give you a short quiz at the, the beginning of the episode about something that we're talking about. We'll give you the answer at the end of the episode. So in the meantime, you could Google it, you can Wikipedia it, or you could just wait for us to tell you. We'll give you the answer. Alcohol the next, does not have to be consumed in order for you to participate in the pre-dinner shot. It does not. You're welcome to if you would like. <laughs> you do not have to take a shot, but if you want to when we're giving you the question, that is up to you. The next section is going to be called what we call the appetizer. So it's going to be an issue that we're going to talk about for a little bit. We're not going to really dive into it, but it's going to be a shorter segment on something that is in the news and that we do feel like it's important to talk about. The next section is going to be the entree. So this is your main course that we're going to dedicate most of the podcast to this issue. And we're going to talk a lot about it. So you're going to get a lot of good insight and opinion. And you may hit us at the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) Depending on if you agree with us. The big kahuna. (laughs) The big kahuna. (laughs) And the last part is going to be your dessert. So this is going to be something nice and sweet. It'll likely focus on politics, but it won't necessarily always be about politics. It's going to be your nice, sweet dessert for getting through the entire meal. And then at the end, we'll give you the answer to the quiz. And then you'll look, be looking forward to our next episode at that point. Yeah, that all sounds great. Episode three, I hear, is going to be big. It's going to be big. You know, it's like Game of Thrones, the penultimate episode's big. You know, here, episode three is going to be big. Huge. It's going to be huge, especially the gathering on July 4th, by the way. It's going to be huge. (laughs) Don't know who's gathering or for what purpose, but there will be a gathering according to our uh, number 45. And he didn't get his military parade, so he's going to be doing whatever gathering he wants to. Our favorite president is going to speak. That's all you have to know, Hills. Our favorite president. That's the most important part. So we'll get into the pre-dinner shot right now. Here's your pre-dinner shot. Number two, the second one. Don't get scared. It's not that hard. Actually, it's pretty hard. But here we go. The pre-dinner shot question. What bill did Congress pass to make the national emergency possible? Trump recently declared a national emergency. Our question is, what bill did Congress pass to make the national emergency possible? That is your pre-dinner shot question. Great, Josh. Thanks for the question. And if you want to Google it, you can, but we'll just give it to you at the end of the episode anyway. So our appetizer today is going to be about North Korea. Rocket who, Man. Rocket Man, Mr. Rocket Man, who 45 is going to be meeting with this week. 
and I'm not happy about it. Josh, are you happy about it? Um, I'm less than thrilled. <laughs> less than thrilled, less than enthused. Okay, so Trump has tried to make North Korea his big breakthrough in his presidency. Uh, if you remember under Obama, things got pretty heated under under uh, in that peninsula because they have not stopped trying to make nuclear weapons. And Trump thinks he has stopped them, but they really haven't stopped at all. They've been making these flattering gestures. You remember last year, he had this big formal summit in Singapore with Kim, Kim Jong-un and they shook hands, but nothing was actually done. So he just got his, his photo op, but they haven't really committed to anything. They destroyed a nuclear site, but it was already slated for demolition anyway. So North Korea is still producing nuclear weapons. They're doing it without the scrutiny of the United States. Trump has sent Pompeo, U.S. Uh, Secretary of State uh, Pompeo, on numerous trips to North Korea to try and negotiate things. And as the guys on Pod Save America have said, usually you don't get a presidential visit until you actually have agreed and committed to things on paper. So Trump is actually doing the opposite, which makes no sense, is that he's rewarded, he's giving them the carrot and he's not actually, he doesn't have a stick to prod them yet because he's already gave them the carrot. So they don't have any reason to do anything right now. There's a great clip from uh, State of the Union with Jake Tapper, where he is talking to Mike Pompeo, and he says, do you think that North Korea is still a threat uh, for nuclear weapons? And Mike Pompeo says, uh, yes. And then Jake Tapper says, well, the president doesn't think so. And Mike Pompeo says, oh, well, he, you know, he, he still does. He's just, uh, you know, he's trying to be cautious. And then Jake Tapper reads a direct uh, tweet from Trump saying North Korea is no longer a threat. And Pompeo says, uh, oh, well, you know, the president's just trying to be cautious, blah, blah. And Jake Tapper goes, well, that's a direct quote from the president, but I'm just going to move on because I don't have time for this. Wow. Wow. This is such a big issue. I don't think North Korea is going to launch a rocket towards the United States. And even if they did, uh, China doesn't want that. So to give our listeners a little bit of perspective here, North Korea is is really, really indebted to the Chinese economy. China shields them. And the reason why they're even still a regime is because China doesn't want a unified South Korea because South Korea are major allies with the United States. And that would put the United States have an outside influence right up in their border in that peninsula. So the only reason why North Korea exists is largely because of a support from China. And if they, if China actually wanted something to be done, they could actually do it. And it's not always that simple, but more or less, the Chinese do have an outside influence on, on North Korea. This is why it's so important that we have a commander in chief that's so good at making deals. I, he makes the best deals when he, and, you know, he has a track record of making, I think, zero deals during his presidency. <laughs> I, I hear that next to the Bible, the art of the deal is the best book of all time. <laughs> highest copy sold next to the Bible, right? Number two. Number two, yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Trump is handling this really poorly right now. I don't think it's going to come of anything bad. It's just giving the North Koreans more time. They're, they're under less scrutiny by, honestly, the, the power in this world that is going to give them the most scrutiny, which is us, the United States. And they're basically getting a free pass right now. And when they have nuclear weapons or functional nuclear weapons that they can really use, 
they're just never going to go away. They can have this this ultimate weapon that they are threatened can threaten to use at all times. Will they actually use it? I'm really not convinced right now, even with all the rhetoric, but they'll still have this capability and then have leverage on the international community when they when they don't get what they want. I mean, it's it's also very important to understand that uh, the North Koreans, I, I, well, I think Trump is so desperate to make a deal because this is like his big thing that more or less, whatever the North Koreans are going to ask for, Trump is going to be willing to give in to them because he has to come away with this making a deal. He's got to have a deal and he doesn't care what the consequences are, but he will make a deal almost at any, at any cost to us. That sounds like a great deal maker, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, how is this man? I'm going to make a deal at any cost. Sounds like the guy you want making a deal for you, right? Whatever you want. I'll give it to you. Just give me a deal. So he wants his Nobel Peace Prize. That's what he wants. <laughs> well, Obama had one, so he has to have one. Right. So Trump is handling this really, really poorly. And you may be wondering, so what is the right way to handle this? We're not foreign policy experts. So this is just our take on it, obviously. The right way to handle this is, first of all, not giving them any sort of photo op or sanctions relief or anything else before they actually agree to do something else. And the North Koreans apparently are really, really tough to negotiate with because they don't commit to something until last minute. So what would be great is if Trump could actually work with the Chinese and our allies in Europe to actually force North Korea to come to the table and make concrete commitments. But then again, he doesn't respect any of our allies, so. I think that's totally right. I think you have to be strong with them. You have to uh, basically tell them that if this is what they want, uh, then here's what you need. And until they meet those demands, you are not giving them any help, any relief, nothing. This is a regime that is known to kill its own people. They keep them in horrible conditions. Uh, they put on a nice pomp and circumstance when people come to visit like, oh, look how nice our, our uh, country is. But this is not a good country. It's not a good place to live this is you know they're a danger and you have to treat them as such you can't treat them as best friends like trump wants to do and i'm glad you brought up the point josh because this is actually super super important trump loves to cozy up to authoritarian dictators it is it is not even up it's not even something that oh we're not sure if he can does this or or not it's such a pattern they're like his bffs he he says oh this guy's authoritarian. Kind of like him better than this guy, who's a, <laughs> a president of a democratic republic and doesn't murder his own people. You see it in the Philippines. You see it with Egypt. You see it with Turkey a little bit. Saudi and Arabia. Saudi Arabia. He loves these authoritarian dictators because that's what he views as strong, which is super concerning coming from supposedly the president of the free world or the democratic world who doesn't actually support (laughs) other democratic elected people and is a huge issue. And it's something that has been understated, I think, in the Trump presidency. How is it that Trump gets along better with Russia, uh, North Korea, Philippines, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, yet he struggles to get along with Canada? I mean, Canada, Great Britain, France, Germany, those should be people that we're counting on. But Trump seems to have a problem with the, them 
and instead wants to cozy up with strong military dictators. Makes no sense to me. Because he actually doesn't care. He doesn't actually care. He, he, wants, he, he tried to make deals with all these authoritarian dictators. He tried to make deals in Moscow. He tried to make deals in Riyadh, which is in Saudi Arabia. He tried to make deals with all these guys and likes that they could just do whatever they want whenever they want and they don't get any pushback. That's who he identifies with them. And honestly, that's who America voted for. And the people who voted for him just didn't care about that. They did not care. They cared about their own issues at the table. They believed in this guy who they believed that he was going to change things because he's a big businessman. But honestly, they didn't, there wasn't enough critical thinking to not Alexa with who likes dictators. Well, you know what? If we're really lucky, maybe there will be a Trump tower in Pyongyang. <laughs> Trump Pyongyang. I hear it is the best built tower that there could be. Oh, absolutely. So last part of the appetizer hills is what should Dems do? What should the position of Democrats be? Uh, we have a lot of candidates in the field. Uh, should they just not say anything right now unless they are a foreign policy expert? Or what should, their, uh, what should the position of the Dems in 2020 be as of right now? That's a really good question. I'm not totally sure, but here's my thought process on this, is that the Dems should really articulate, A, they have to articulate their own foreign policy. So that's, that's one thing. I think the foreign policy should be something of multilateral diplomacy where they actually work with their allies and work with international organizations to bring North Korea to the table. So you're not giving them concessions for a photo op or anything like that. You also don't want to risk war. And I'm not saying that the policy should be very militaristic on the Democrats' part, but I think they should actually talk with experts and then formulate their own foreign policy platform that incorporates North Korea as a larger strategy in the Pacific. And actually that they have a goal, like what do they want to get with where do they want to be with North Korea in their presidency? And then they can work back from there. What do you think? I think that's right. I think that if we get a Dem in the White House in 2020, God willing, um, that their first piece of business is going to be they're going to have to repair the damage Trump has done to our allies, Canada, France, Germany, uh, Britain, uh, you know, other countries that we're friendly with, we're going to have to do a lot of work to repair the damage we did before we can start making uh, meetings and things with North Korea or with Russia or whatever. And that's part of the danger of a Trump presidency is that you have to undo the damage before you can move forward with what you want. So I think Dem should probably stay out of the specifics and instead just say, here's my, here's, here's, here's my view on foreign policy. Yeah, you're right. And they, they don't have to be specific because they're not president yet, right. but they can present a compelling vision of where they want to go with North Korea and how they might accomplish that, too. I think that's exactly right. And also not calling any leader a nickname unless you're like best friends with them. <laughs> and it's like a, a nickname that you want to just like call your friend or something. But no, what they shouldn't be calling, actually scratch that. They shouldn't be calling any leader by nickname, to be honest with you. Especially Rocket Man. Oh, especially Rocket Man. The only or Rocket Woman. The only nickname around here is Hilsey. That's the only nickname that's appropriate. And if the president wants to call me by that, that is a-okay with me. Well, Hills, I am feeling a little bit full from the appetizer, but I'm hungry for a main entree. Ooh, the entree is coming up right 
now. Welcome to the entree portion of your dinner. Uh, you've had your shot of alcohol, you've had your appetizer to soak up the alcohol, and now it's time for the main course. Uh, our main course is going to be divided into two sections. The first is we're going to talk about Bob Mueller, and the second will be current developments that have been happening uh, during the course of the week. So everyone needs to stop because it's Mueller time. Mueller, Mueller, Mueller time. <laughs> Let's review very, very quickly because this has been going on for forever. Um, the point of the Mueller investigation. Uh, so Donald Trump uh, colluded with the Russians, allegedly, uh, hashtag no collusion, um, with... Josh, there has been no collusion. This is Trump, by the way. There have been no collusion. This is a total witch hunt. Guys, we're, we're very lucky to have the president on the line with us. That's, that's, so, big of, that's so big of you, Mr. Trump. Thank you. Actually, I'm so small, that, but that's okay. Uh, Mr. President, it's important that you know that we all hate you. It's okay. I hate myself, too. I really do. There's no one more I hate than myself. That's why I do everything. <laughs> all right, sorry, go on. So, the Mueller investigation. So Trump colluded with Russians about 2016. Uh, that much is uh, very clear. And then because Trump got worried, uh, he started obstructing justice. Uh, he fired James Comey. Uh, and then he admitted to Lester Holt that he fired James Comey because the Russia stuff was getting too close. Uh, and that's incredible that he did it on live TV. People are like, eh, whatever. Uh, he also started to pressure everyone around him, uh, his aides, his son, his son-in-law, uh, his other son, uh, both uh, Don Jr. and Eric. Uh, I really want Don Jr. thrown in jail. That'd be the happiest day of my life if Don Jr. got thrown in jail. But <laughs> that'd be pretty. That'd be pretty good. I, I, he's so uh, smug. I really want such to see a him smug go to jail. asshole. Oh my god! And Eric's just stupid. So, but anyways, <laughs> uh, so Mueller has been doing this investigation for a long time. By the way, Mueller is someone that is respected by the Republicans. They're supposed to like him. Uh, the current Attorney General uh, William Barr is a good friend of Mueller. Uh, so this is not some Democratic hack. This is a Republican respected by the GOP. So Mueller's been doing his investigation. He's been doing an awesome job. Uh, so far, we have 34 people who have been indicted. Uh, there are seven U.S. nationals, 26 Russian nationals, and one Dutch national, and three uh, Russian organizations. Okay, So this is not – this is a witch hunt. This is the most successful witch hunt that has ever been done. Um, I saw a tweet this morning that said if this is a, a witch hunt – then uh, Bob Mueller found a covenant. And beyond that, we have three additional individuals who have been charged as a result of the referrals and other FBI offices, okay? So there's been uh, Gates, uh, Paul Manafort, and Ma Ma Michael Cohen. Not to mention Michael Flynn and Roger Stone have also been indicted. Cohen is Trump's personal lawyer. Was his was, lawyer, I think. Was, yeah, you're right. Was, was. Famously, he didn't know who he was. Uh, <laughs> Flynn was the head of uh, the National Security Advisory. Uh, Manafort was the campaign chairman. Is that correct, Hilsey? Yeah, campaign manager and chairman. But he, you know, obviously, great guy. <laughs> great guy. Hilsey, you want to talk about Rick Gates for a little bit? So he was Manafort's right-hand man, and he was also involved in the Trump campaign. And he has been talking with Mueller 
So I think he was in pretty deep crap and he did a lot of bad things and he provided, I think he was a witness against Manafort as well. So, yeah. And I think he just, he couldn't do the legal bills and all the pressure around him. So he's actually, you know, talking to to Mueller, which is good because he's actually hopefully repenting for some of the sins he did. Uh, He, they're all really bad men. They're, they're really, really bad. They got corrupted by money and power, like half the people in the government right now. That's the only reason why people like Trump, because if Trump was broke, oh, you know, he would be out on the streets and he would be done. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so he's someone who has already flipped. Uh, Paul Manafort is someone who we don't really know if he flipped or not. But we know that he had uh, dealings with uh, shady Russian oligarchs that he apparently owed a ton of money to. Um, I think he was involved in sharing polling data with them. Uh, we know that Trump said to the Russians, uh, here is polling that we have from my campaign, how I'm doing. Here's why you should support me. And if you can uh, hack Hillary's emails, that'd be awesome. He said that around. He said, if you're out there, hack Hillary's emails. That's insane. Can we just talk to a second about the current president is, is investigated by so many different arms, including Bob Mueller. And thank goodness for Bob Mueller, because honestly, who knows if anyone would be <laughs> who'd be looking into this stuff if it wasn't for him. Yeah, it's very true. It's very true. The, the fact that we have such a corrupt president is is just, it, it should make everyone mad. And it honestly, the reason the reason it doesn't it is mind-boggling. Now, this guy has committed so many crimes. And honestly, I'm, you know, I'm rushing to judgment here. But seriously, he's, he's done all the things that it would have been such a low bar for someone on the street if they did the same thing. <laughs> He'd be in jail. Well, it's just crazy how this is considered not a huge deal, yet when Obama wears a tan suit or when Obama salutes with a coffee cup in his hand, it's the end of the world. See, this is – it shows the decay in the Republican Party because honestly, if you're a Republican and you didn't like the things that Obama did, okay, you know what? He did some things that I I can see that a Republican wouldn't like. But if you do not call out Trump for all the crap that he's done right now – and you're fine with it, then, well, but you can't say anything. But you're just in the pocket of some some big money guy who you're keeping your mouth shut for. Let's talk about Michael Cohen for just a second, because this is fascinating to me. Okay, Michael Cohen was the former lawyer for Trump. He was Trump's fix-it guy. If Trump had, had, had a problem, Cohen would find one way or another to make it go away. If he had a plumbing issue, Cohen would be the guy to go in with the plunger, and I don't know. If Trump needed a bedtime story read to him uh, and Melania couldn't read the English, then uh, Cohen came in and would read Trump a bedtime story. Mr. President, (laughs) I will read it for you. Don't Don't worry worry about it. (laughs) And so Trump had sex with an adult film star uh, actress named Stormy Daniels, and then had Cohen arrange payments to her to keep her mouth shut. Now, this is a violation of campaign finance laws. So right there, he's already broken the law. But it's the fact that he's lied about it and has now said that he never knew about Michael Cohen. They never had any, they were in the same room together. He's a horrible lawyer. But if Trump knows the best people and we can see that Cohen did work for him, then why did Trump hire him? Also, Cohen has... Uh, said to Bob Mueller that, com- that Trump is, a un- is an unindicted co-conspirator 
And we should all remember that. We should all remember that, that regardless of what happens, this is what Cohen has said. And the president of the United States is an unindicted co-conspirator. And that's huge. He's totally, and he will, he will be an indicted co-conspirator. And he is currently defrauding the United States. Currently. It's, it's crazy. I mean, again, Trump loves to say this is a witch hunt, that this is, uh, you know, that this is so unfair, blah, blah. But we found out so much. I mean, we've, <laughs> you, you can't say he's not successful when Bob Mueller has found out so much. And it's important to remember that Bob Mueller is at least five steps ahead of everybody else. He knows already what's happening. Oh, yeah. I, I imagine there is so much stuff that Bob Mueller knows already and that we are just going to be finding out soon or something like that. Yeah. So that's a recap of the Mueller investigation. It's very important that people are aware of this. People keep their eye on it. Um, I did have a question for you, Hales, about how the Dems should handle the Bob Mueller investigation. Should they? I think every Dem has come out and said Bob Mueller should be allowed to finish his investigation. I think a lot of Republicans have said that. But in 2020, how much do you think the Dems should bring up Bob Mueller? Well, I think it depends on his report. You know, he's definitely going to form out some of the other cases because he has probably found things that he knows is not in his jurisdiction. And we'll get to all this in a second. But I think Dems really just have to say he should be able to follow wherever he goes. And the report should be released, barring some things that are, you know, confidentiality and, and are classified information. But the report should be released mostly unredacted to the point that they can make possible. And they should use whatever he whatever he comes up with as a, as a really good talking point, not just because it's political, it's because he will likely find things that Trump has done wrong. And that's important to talk about. You know, I would really appreciate it if the news media, except for Fox, because they're not a real news organization, but if, if the news media, instead of inviting all these people on, and I know that they're going to do this, especially CNN, but if they would just read the Mueller report and say, here it is, this is what it is, this is what he found, and don't offer any opinion. Let the American people make the opinion for themselves. Because if it's on CNN, any member who's part of the Trump fan club is going to say, oh, well, that's fake news. They don't know what they're talking about. But if you just read it, and you're like, here's what it says, you know, there it is, and just don't offer an opinion, that'd be so important. It won't happen because news media needs to offer opinions. They'll invite, like, Rick Santorum and Donna Brazil on, and they'll have an argument about it. But I think it's a missed opportunity. Yeah, I think you have a good strategy there. The, the report should be spread far and wide all the time. And I think if that's done, the more people can read it and actually just look at the text, look at, what, look at what's there. And if they don't believe Mueller, then they have bigger issues. <laughs> they have bigger issues to think about than, than just a report if they don't actually believe what someone who's highly respected in law enforcement produces. Do you want to get to the current developments? Let's do that. Yeah. So Josh mentioned earlier, we have a new attorney general. His name is Bob Barr. He was attorney general back in the late 80s or early 90s under George H.W. Bush. And he wants to end the probe. He said it numerous times. He's written about it. And there were reports that came out the other week from the New York Times and others that a Mueller report was coming soon, which I don't actually doubt. I don't think it's going to come this week, but I don't actually doubt because... 2020 is coming up, and he's got to produce this report soon if Trump has actually done something illegal or something like that, because the American people deserve to know way ahead of time. And actually, there was a report, there's a tweet actually that said that 
Bob Mueller's uh, report had been delayed by two weeks. Okay, so we're we're looking mid March, which kind of makes sense, and it's going to be a hell of a week when it comes out. There are also reports that a lot of DC district attorneys are actually visiting Mueller's office because Mueller probably is, this is only the beginning. Mueller probably farmed out a lot of his his investigations to people who actually have jurisdiction over it, whether it is the Southern District of New York, which is a federal um, a federal district of, of the Justice Department, which has large authority over a lot of different issues because it's located in New York City with the stock exchange there. And it's, a, it's another issue we could talk about at a different time. <laughs> but the D.C. attorneys probably have some jurisdiction on some of the things that Mueller has been finding. So they're probably going to take a case. So whatever the report comes out, we, we need to know a couple of different things. His probe is likely over soon. That's one. Number two is that this is not the end of the investigations. There are ongoing investigations into his inaugural committee and everything else, and that these attorneys are probably going to take over some aspects of the case that Mueller has decided he is not able to, to look into. And um, I guess that was two and three combined. I combined them both. Uh, so there's going to be more of this. So this is not the end of the road. Even if Mueller finds something that's good or bad or do, we don't really know, or maybe it's right on that line because there's such a high bar for the presidency, this isn't the end. This is actually just the beginning. It's also important to remember that regardless of what the Mueller report finds, as you've already laid out, Trump has is already fucked up. He has already made mistakes that any other president would get killed for. And so if, if the Mueller come, uh, report comes out and he didn't do anything, he didn't, you know, Mueller can't prove he didn't collude with Russia, it's important to keep a level head and say, okay, uh, Mueller cannot prove that Trump directly called up Russia and was like, hey, you should help me out with, the, uh, with this uh, election. But there's all this shady shit that still happened. And so regardless of what the Mueller investigation finds, it's important to keep in mind all the people that we've listed who have already been uh, indicted and are going to prison. The head of the, of the Trump campaign, the campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, is going to jail for a long time. And that's important. If, can you imagine if Obama's, the head of the Obama campaign was going to jail? Fox News would have a field day with it. It would be wall-to-wall coverage for months, months on end, saying saying what he's done. Yeah. So, um, Josh, how screwed is Trump? <laughs> oh man. Well, it's a good question. I I I, I don't know. I have uh, fantasies of Don Jr. being dragged away in cuffs <laughs> and. I would love, love, love to see Don Jr. get uh, arrested almost more than, than, than Trump because he's such a smug asshole. And if Trump were to be found directly related to any of this, his MAGA base would go crazy. I, you know, I, I almost think it's better if everyone around Trump crumbles and then he's this shattered, wounded animal in the 2020 election. I think that, that, that's almost better uh, than having him be a martyr to the 35% of his base. What do you think, Hills? I think he's pretty screwed, but I'm also really concerned the Republican Party is just not going to accept whatever happens. You know, they're not going, they don't, they don't care if Mueller indicts him. They probably, they're probably going to be like, well, this is just 
not a big deal and everything. So that, that's actually a really concerning part that we're going to talk about on a, at a different time. But I think the fact that you have all these investigations and all these different campaigns, his business size, everything else, to me, there is no question that he obstructed justice multiple times. And I hope Mueller really presents a compelling case for it. And I hope also he, he you know, says that this isn't over. I mean, there are a lot of other investigations happening, but we're going to have to know soon because the election is coming up. And I, and I know he's probably not going to want to wait a while. He's probably going to want this report to get out and for people to uh, really process it. What an upstanding individual Bob Mueller is, and you made a really good point, Hills, is that Bob Mueller wants to have this out before the 2020 election. Everyone remembers that like a week before the election, James Comey, who apparently is now some big pro-Hillary uh, person, and the reason that Trump dismissed him is because he was being too mean to Hillary, even though Trump was chanting lock her up at his rallies. But anyways, uh, James Comey released uh, the stuff with Hillary's emails about a week before the election or maybe a week and a half. I mean, that's crazy. There's no wonder that that swings the election in one way or another. I think Bob Mueller wants to get his report out. He wants to not be a huge uh, influencer in the 2020 election. And I think people should respect him. And whether or not the Republicans agree to bring up charges, which they won't because they're a bunch of cowards, I think just producing this damning evidence and then just saying to the voters, look, the Republicans aren't doing anything. But here's what a Republican uh, prosecutor found. And it's important that the people know this and that you make your choice in 2020. It's all about it's all about shaking the faith of those Trump voters, that 35 percent who will never leave him. You just have to really get into the core of that trust that he has somehow built with these voters and you need to go and eradicate it. And this is part of the strategy that they need to the Democrats need to use to to really erode that trust because you don't. You don't need to make everyone distrust him. You just need to make a good, a good five to ten percent distrust him, and then you're going to flip a bunch of, a bunch of uh, local seats, a bunch of state seats, and a bunch of federal seats. And of course, during the 2020 election, the electoral votes of those states. So, like, this needs to be a strategy. You need like twenty thousand people in Wisconsin, twenty thousand people in Michigan, twenty thousand people in Pennsylvania, who voted for Trump to say, you know what, this is too much. This report is too much. It's not what I'm looking for. Uh, I voted for Obama in 2008, 2012, and I was hoping for something different. I messed up. And, uh, you know, this is too much. And I need to go back. I need to vote for sanity. Vote for sanity. I think that is maybe the name of the episode. (laughs) Vote for sanity. I like it. Yeah. And and to that point, I think Obama in 2020 needs to go out to those those places that voted for him and then flipped because those voters still seemingly like him, I guess, because they voted for him twice. He needs to make a case. And this the Mueller report needs to be a strategy in the political context. I mean, there's no other way to do it. And this is something we can talk about on a later pod, but I think the person who can go out there and make that argument besides Obama, because Obama's not on the ballot, is Joe Biden. Can you imagine if you're Joe Biden, you do a Biden-Obama joint rally in Pennsylvania, in Wisconsin, and in Michigan? I mean, that's that's it. That's that you flip those states. You flip them. I like the sound of that, Josh. I like the sound of that. All right. Well, I'm feeling I'm feeling that we are getting towards the dessert. Are you full from I dinner? I'm full for dinner, but I have left room for dessert. I would like to see a menu. All right. Here we go. All right. Dessert coming up very soon. 
welcome to your dessert. You've gone through the meal and now you get something sweet. So we're going to talk about how many years should Paul Manafort get in prison? Because this sounds like a really fun topic to discuss because <laughs> he is such a bad man and has fleeced so many people and so many done so many horrible things. Josh, what's your what's your take on how many years Manafort should get? Wow. Well, <laughs> uh, for a little bit of background, uh, Manafort has uh, two trials. Um, I believe he's being tried in uh, D.C. and then tried in Virginia. The report that I saw from his first trial was five to seven years. Uh, that seems to be good for one trial. I'd like to see that uh, replicated for his second trial. So I think anywhere from 10 to 14 years would be a good uh, range for him. He is currently uh, 69 years old. So if he could be let out of prison in his 80s, I think that's uh, completely justified. Honestly, is life in prison too harsh? No. I mean, no, it's it was like a, no. I mean, he didn't, I don't think he killed anyone. He may have, and we don't, we just don't know about it, but he's a very bad man. And he probably led to Trump's involvement with the Russians and the whole campaign's involvement with the Russians. He probably was the backstop for that. And he is probably uh, uh, in trouble for subverting democracy. So I think he should get a pretty long sentence and he should really, prison is, is, is there so you can, think about your actions, or at least that's, I think, the intent of it is to, to keep you out of, <laughs> to keep you from doing bad things, and for hopefully make you reform yourself. He really needs to think about what he's done in his life, because he's he's a bad, bad person. It's, it's also important for him to realize that just because you're rich, or you know the president, you don't get to play by a different set of rules. I think that is an argument that Dems can make, is that Trump and his cronies are playing by a different set of rules and good for Bob Mueller and good for the courts for sending them to a very long, uh, very lengthy prison sentence. Uh, you mentioned, Hills, that you don't think that, Bob, that um, Paul Manafort killed anyone. Well, he did. He killed, he killed the, dem the democracy of the United States in the year 2016. <laughs> That's a pretty hefty pretty hefty charge <laughs> that should carry you know what? Yeah. i'm gonna revise my statement i want him in jail for 20 years 20 years that's that's good that's good you're, you're exactly right about the fact that this sends a signal that you do not play by a separate set of rules you have to play by one set of rules and even though the judiciary branch has given us opinions about some things that we probably don't like um, you know, whether it is voting rights or anything else during the Trump administration, at least the judiciary branch has been doing some sort of oversight because with the Republicans in control the first two years, Republicans were doing nothing in Congress. They held zero hearings for whatever reason in their small little heads. So at least we have the judiciary branch that is doing a couple of things. Yeah, I think the idea that the Dems took back the House and controlled the committees in the House is so important. Yeah, the, the, the Oversight Committee, the judici Judiciary Committee, every single committee, honestly. The fact that Democrats are, are, are leaders of everything in the House is huge. And honestly, it, it stopped rubber stamping Trump's agenda and, and, and hopefully going to do some, a, lot, and a lot of investigating for the next few years. And hopefully that Trump isn't in office, even when they're still investigating. Yeah, I, I think that Dems should not shy away from this issue, you know. It's important, especially for congressional candidates, to say, like, you know, 
if the president's playing by a different set of rules, it's important for us to know that and to punish the people who aren't following the law. I mean, the Constitution and the rule of law is not exempt for people who are wealthy or people who are in power. And I think that's an important message for Dems to take into 2020. And uh, I will not be going to go see Paul Manafort when he's in jail. And I hope no, <laughs> no one decides to. You know, it's like you're playing Monopoly and then you're in the jail and then people could just do the just visiting, <laughs> right? The just visiting spot. Well, I'm I'm not, I'm going to skip that spot. What I'm, I'm just not going to go there. What I might do is like on like the prison, like login, like visitor form, like type in like, like a Don Jr. or Eric Trump and then just have no one show up. So he gets his hopes up that, oh, Don Jr.'s coming to see me. But then no one ever comes. Just imagine me no one ever just comes. sitting in jail going, oh, today's the day. And no one comes. Today is the day. <laughs> yeah, I actually just saw him. It was on Twitter or something that he is health is declining and that he's in a wheelchair. And I don't. I'm not wishing like death on anyone, honestly. But he, he's a bad man, and you know what? Karma is coming, and it's coming at him real quick. Yeah, karma's a bitch, and so is Paul Manafort. <laughs> that that could be the episode. So I, the episode title: Karma's a bitch, and so is Paul Manafort. <laughs> I think we did it. I think we did it. Okay. Uh, I believe the, the pre-dinner shot quiz, the answer is coming up right now. Okay. We are here at the end. Congratulations. You made it till the end. We are here to give you your answer to your pre-dinner shot. Just as a reminder, the pre-dinner shot question was, what bill did Congress pass to make national emergencies possible so here's the answer it was the national emergencies act that was passed in 1976 the point of the act was to empower the president to activate special powers during a crisis and some and to have some limitation on what he can do Uh, the intention of the bill was to provide congressional oversight and limitations on emergencies that the president can call now if you don't like what Trump has done, if we don't like this wall, which we don't, we don't want him to take money from military families to build the wall, Congress can undo an emergency. Uh, they have to pass a joint resolution with a presidential signature, and uh, and then if the president vetoes that, which he probably will because he wants his wall, they have to have a veto-proof majority uh, in, in Congress. Now, that probably won't happen. But um, it can be undone, and I think that the Dems should try to, to at least do it, because why not? There's no reason not to. Um, and the first president to ever sign an emergency was Woodrow Wilson. Wow. It really feels like we're in a national emergency right now, by the way. Really, you know, we're – Trump is Trump is ordering omelets at his golf course, and it really feels like we're in a time that is – ooh, boy – it's really important that you guys bunker down, you know, close your blinds. Don't go outside. It's, it's bad out there. I'm just looking at my window here and I just see fires raging everywhere. It's a scary, scary, scary world out there. I'm so glad he's taking money from, from uh, military school construction and military housing construction because our troops, you know, they're living with mold and their schools are inadequate, but you know, we really need that wall to fulfill the campaign promise that was made for, with no actual scientific or data, actually, in general. Just no, no facts. Just, just pulled it right out of his, right out of his uh, 
whatever is in his hair. It, it took this asshole two years before he went and actually visited troops. And now he's taking money from them. This is something that Democrats should talk about in 2020 and say, if you're pro-military and you are in favor of a strong nation, well, guess what? Trump is taking away money from our troops who have risked their lives and served for us. And how do we repay them? Instead of giving them good, good schools for their, their kids and good homes to live in, we take that money away to build a fucking wall. It is unbelievable. We're, we leave them on a high note, don't we, Josh? Leave them on... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh... <laughs> hey, you know what? Tomorrow you can go to your water cooler and you can say, hey, did you guys know that Woodrow Wilson was the first president to issue an emergency? And there's your high notes. There's it's your high a... note. And everyone's going to be very, very happy you told them about that. <laughs> <laughs> if they know who Woodrow Wilson is. That's... They, they, they really should. But um, anyways, I think we're just about ready to wrap up here. There will not be a podcast next week, um, but we're hoping for some time the week afterwards. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be going on a trip to Europe for a couple of weeks. So we may have a little break, but we'll be back soon in March. And thank you all again for listening and we hope that you continue to listen to our episodes. Yeah, if you guys have listened to it and you like it, please tell your friends about it. Both Hills and I made uh, Facebook posts about it where you can find it there. Uh, we really appreciate the support that you guys have. If you have any sponsors who want to sponsor us, uh, we are open to that. As a reminder, you, uh, Hills, you want to tell them where they can email us questions? Yes, you can go, you can email it to threecoursepolitics at gmail.com. Again, that's threecoursepolitics at gmail.com. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.